0: In in about 15 minutes' time, there are going to be three presentations regarding our call to action as we consider taking the development of this site and these premises to the next stage. Uh, And many of you will be aware, some of you all too aware, that the need for new facilities has been recognised for years now. And so this church, and for those who are new to this church, this church has been on a journey. Quite a journey, and you will hear more about that in a moment. But as we thought about this service, and about the need to share what you are going to hear, we also wanted to spend some time, and okay, it's going to be a shorter time than usual, and that's okay. But we did want to spend some time just listening to God's word. Because we want to pick up our adventure through the story of the Bible, from where we left it off last week. And we've reached Exodus 19 and 20. So if you have a Bible, can I invite you to turn there? It's page 76, I think, in the Pew Bibles. And in these two chapters, God speaks. And God speaks very powerfully into the lives of his people. And when he speaks, he brings words of affirmation Words of encouragement as well as words of instruction. And three months before this, the Israelites, all 600,000 plus of them, had been liberated from slavery in Egypt. But then God had led them into what initially looked like a dead end. And God sometimes does that. The Red Sea was in front of them and the Egyptian army was bearing down on them from behind. And the Israelites were scared. Really scared. And you couldn't blame them. But once again, in their story, God miraculously intervened. And He turned what looked like an impossible situation into a faith renewing and a faith strengthening experience. And that's what we need. We need that in our lives. Where God turns impossible situations into faith renewing and faith strengthening experiences. And the Red Sea opened up and the Israelites walked through and the Egyptians were then taken out. The walls of water that had stacked up came crashing down around them. And the Bible says not one of them survived. And the Israelites were astonished by this. And as they stood at the other side and they began to watch as Egyptian bodies washed up on shore. They experienced fear again. Only this time it was a completely different kind of fear. This was an overwhelming and incredible sense of wonder at the power of their God. This was a fear of God that every single one of us needs to have. A reverence, a respect for God that provokes and prompts worship. And so as the Israelites stood in that far side and watched these bodies worship and on shore and were amazed at the power of their God, they sang. They sang their hearts out, Who among the gods is like you, o Lord? Who is like you, your majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. And then from that place they journeyed on. And God led them. And God fed them. And he helped them to overcome another army. And as we pick up the story at the beginning of Exodus 19, the Israelites have arrived en masse at Sinai and have set up camp at the foot of a mountain. And from that mountain... God speaks to Moses and he speaks to Moses and he says listen Moses I have a message that I want you to share with the people I have a word that I want you to bring to them and it's a message that affirms relationship it provides a reminder it outlines an expected response and it clarifies a reason for being and these are just the four quick words that I want to bring to you this morning they all start with the same letter which is not like me But anyway. So let's read Exodus 19 verses 3 to 8. Then Moses went up to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the people, to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings, and I brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully, And keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. And although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. And so Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. And you're immediately, as you read those words and listen to those words, and I hope you were, struck by the personal nature of this message. The I, you language, particularly of verse 4 there, it's striking. And what you quickly realise is that God was affirming his unique and his intimate relationship with these people. He was their God. Their God. And as God speaks, he provides him with a reminder of what he has done. He says, you have seen what I did to Egypt. You've witnessed it. You've watched it. How I carried you. And I love this image of how I carried you on eagles' wings. And how I brought you to myself. They didn't come to him. He brought them to himself. And God reminds them that he was their redeemer. I've been your deliverer. I've been your liberator. I'm your protector. I have carried you along. And I am the one who has brought you into relationship. And you know as we sit here this morning. As a group of God's people. It's good to remind ourselves that we have been redeemed. And we have been protected. And we have been welcomed into relationship. Their God is our God. And what God did for these people, God has done for us. And as the Israelites stood in front of that mountain with their future stretching out in front of them, they listened. They listened as God reminded them of what he had done for them to date. And surely that must have encouraged them to trust him for all that lies ahead. And this morning, as I think about our future, as a church. And as I consider the challenges that lie ahead of us on many levels, including the challenge of developing this site, I feel we need to remember what God has done. Where God has brought us, individually and as a community and as a church. And therefore, in words that I haven't sang for years, we'll trust Him for all that is past or sorry, praise him for all that is past and trust him for all that is to come and in Exodus 19 God affirms his relationship with these people and then he reminds them what he has done and how he has actively cared for them and then he shares the response that he expects from them he says this if you obey me fully this is where it gets hard, in a sense. If you obey me fully and keep my covenant. You see, the importance of obedience to God is absolutely vital in a relationship with him. It was vital in theirs, and it's vital in ours. It's an essential dimension of a reciprocal relationship with God. In fact, our love for God, our relationship to to God is revealed and expressed via our obedience. That's explicit teaching in scripture and we'll come back to that in a moment. You see, God's commitment to his people was unquestionable. I've brought you to myself. But what about their commitment to him? And so God gives them the law. And he calls them to obedience. And in the very next chapter, chapter, Exodus 20, we find the ten core commands of the law that the people were to obey. But whenever you come to this, it's critical to realize that God is not some cosmic killjoy that wants to make life difficult for people. God doesn't want to try and restrict life, to hem people in, to curb their lives in any shape or form. God gives law in order to protect. God gave the law in order to sustain the freedom that he had introduced to them via the Exodus. God, who is the source of life, knew that you see whenever you leave people to live as they please, without reference points, without guidelines, then their relationship with him and their relationship with each other is going to suffer It's going to disintegrate. And God cared far too much for his people to let that happen. And so really, these ten laws are a gift. They were a God-given gift to his people. To obey in order to nurture life, liberty and community. And they still are. These core commands, and we don't have time this morning to even make reference to them, but many of you. These core commands retain their relevance and their importance for us in the 21st century. And that was something we recognised as we spent ten evenings reflecting on them last autumn. They're not some obsolete list of laws that need to be ditched, or that need to be rewritten, or they need to be modified, as some have suggested, including Richard Dawkins in his book, The God Delusion, where he suggests an alternative ten. These are God's laws for all seasons, all centuries, all cultures. And God says, listen, I call you to obey. And so in that desert context, God called his people to total obedience. So that as they continued to journey together, they would live God-centered lives within healthy communities. Because disobedience only leads to disconnection. Disobedience disconnects us from God and from one another. And for us, as I just thought about today, and in what we're about to hear, and where we are in our journey, and as people who are looking for God to lead us on, we need to re-emphasise the importance of our obedience to Because as the New Testament makes clear, this is love for God that we obey him, that we obey his commands. And yes those ten of Exodus 20 still stand still make sense, still provide us with a framework of how we do life together. But whenever Jesus was asked which is the most important of them all, he just summed them up in 30 words. He said this is what I tell you love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbour as yourself. And for us, in everything we do, wherever this journey takes us, whatever decisions we make, we've got to ensure that obedience to these commands is our priority. That we love our God and we love our neighbour, each other, within these walls and beyond these walls. And so after God affirmed their relationship, provided a reminder of what he had done, explained the response that he expected from them he then clarifies their reason for being. Verse 6 You'll be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation and a holy nation just meant you're set apart for a purpose and as we know one of the purposes that God set his people apart for was to be a blessing to others. And as a kingdom of priests, and I know that means different things, but as a kingdom of priests, they were to mediate the word and the life of God to the world. Through what they said and what they did and how they lived their lives. And as I finish this morning, I want to, and I cannot really avoid, jumping forward to 1 Peter 2 because it's there that this text gets revitalised. And it actually gets applied to us. Uses the language of Exodus nineteen and it says, But you, and this is applied to us, you are a chosen people. You're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people who belong to God. You're God's special possession. And Windsor Baptist, that is who we are. That's our identity. That's our status. And that is a key reason for our being. We are invited to continue this mediation process as we carry, as we impart, as we transmit the words and the life of God to the world around us. And how we do that is so important. Because as this verse finishes. That we may declare the praises. Of him who has called us out of darkness. And into his wonderful light. And so. Whatever lies ahead. As we do redevelop this sight. Which we need to do. And wherever this journey takes us. We must never lose sight. Of our relationship with God. That we are his As it says in that text, and it didn't refer to it, we are his treasured possession. We must never lose sight of what he has done for us. Of what he requires of us. Total obedience. And we must never lose sight of the reason we exist. Relationship affirmed. Reminder provided. Response expected. Reason clarified.